You're listening to audio from Crossroads Community Church, located in Fogelsville, Pennsylvania. If you want to learn more about C3 and what it is about, you can visit us at c3lehigh.com. And now, for today's sermon. Today we're going to be discussing spiritual health. Today is the last Sunday of our health series, and everybody said... This has been an enjoyable series. I've so enjoyed hearing the testimonies, but I'm also looking forward to opening up a new series next week titled The Gospel of Luke. Incredible. We're going to have an incredible time through there, but today I really felt like the Lord said we need to talk about spiritual health. Over the past couple weeks, we've talked about physical health, heart health. We've talked about so many different areas of health, and today I want to get to spiritual health. There are many directions that we could go in with this topic. There are many gifts of, that we could talk about, spiritual gifts. We could talk about the gifts that God has not only given us individually, and we could talk about the gifts that God has, has given us as a church, and, and we could go that route. But today, I really want to focus on this, living a life with the empowerment and presence of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that leads us and guides us in his spiritual health. The key to spiritual health is living life in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's the key. He is the key. I believe that there's many churches, many people outside of these walls that are living in frustration because there's been this weird movement where we kind of refer to the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, but we never embrace the third person of the Holy Spirit. The key to spiritual health is living life in power, in the power, in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I hope that in your walk with Jesus, you've come to, to this reality that you are made in two parts. You have a physical body that is material and visible, but then you have an immaterial, invisible part of your being, and that is your soul. The fact that we have a spirit and a soul put in us by God separates us from everything else that God has created. Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 says this, And Jehovah God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became, please pay attention to that wording, a living soul. We're separate from everything else that God created. You and I have convictions. We have intellect. Why? Because he has created us with a a higher standard than animal instincts. Can I hear a good amen? Soul here refers to both natural and spiritual, both temporal and eternal life. It is sufficiently implied here that the soul of man is quite of a, a different nature and origin. God has created you body and spirit. You are two parts. Pastor, why mention this this morning? To say this, you were made to love God with both parts of who you are. Physically and spiritually. And when you and I do not serve the Lord with both our body and our spirit, there is conflict. There is frustration. There is inconsistency. Why? Because you are living in a different manner than what you were created to live. And any time you and I step out of the natural order of things, of how God has set things in place, there will always be heartache, brokenness, and frustration. Until you are serving God with both parts of who who you are, you will experience significant inconsistency with your walk in Jesus, with Jesus. When we don't serve God with our physical life as well as our spiritual life, you and I will experience spiritual unhealth. 
Just to help us understand this a little bit more, let's answer this question. What kills healthy spiritual life? Because the reality is is that if you and I are seeking to become healthy, it means that there are practices and actions, things that we could do that would take us away from being healthy. And it's a little bit deeper in this circumstance than a pit stop at McDonald's to tear your healthy life apart. I'm still recovering from last week's Big Mac. Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 18 is where we're going to start. It's Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 18. I want to challenge you this morning. If you don't have a hard copy of the Word of God in your hands, I want to challenge you as a family, as an individual, to start bringing it. It's, it, it's, I'm telling you, the, one of the reasons why I advocate for the hard copy, even though I'm of a generation that loves this stupid thing, is because this lets me down all the time. Every time that I have a software update, I swear my phone works worse than what it did before. And there's a sermon in there that I'm not going to get into today. But the reality is, is I don't ever have to worry about a software update if I have it in my hands. And so I want to challenge you, get the word of God and it'll get into you. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 through 18. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Did you know that? You were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit. And the spirit desires what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. So that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. So let's talk just for a moment about what could kill spiritual health that Paul identifies in Galatians chapter 5. The the two categories that lead us into being unhealthy could be summarized like this. The first thing that Paul addresses is this, living a religious life, not a spirit-filled life. But living a religious life. The crowd that Paul is teaching has been struggling with these two things. They've been struggling with with religious practices as a means to secure their faith in Jesus Christ to secure their salvation in Jesus Christ. They've become obsessed with works. And then you have this other side of the spectrum where people are that Paul is speaking to are like, yeah, but Jesus loves and gives grace so we can do whatever we want and live however we want. And all we have to do at the end of the day is say, Lord, forgive me, and we're good. And so Paul has these two opposite sides of the spectrum, and he wants to address, listen, these practices are going to lead you into an unhealthy spiritual state. And the first is living by religion. A religious life has very little to do with spiritual transformation and has everything to do with what looks good on the outside. A religious life kills spiritual health because it has nothing to do with experiencing real real change. I want to say that again. A religious life kills spiritual health because it has nothing to do with truly experiencing real transformation. In religion, among other things, when you and I fall into this practice of of living by works, it confuses the world. Because the world sees somebody who's attending church faithfully, and what scares me about this is you can 
fake spiritual health by living according to religious practice. And that terrifies me. Because it's like showing up to the doctors and being able to mask all of the symptoms and never getting to the root cause. And what scares me about this is, in addition to that, like I said, it confuses the world outside when they see Christians attending church, when they see maybe even Christians showing up and lifting their hands, and they see Christians uh, uh, praying, and they see Christians posting on social media their favorite Bible verses and all of these things. And yet, whenever they look at the way that you love one another, they don't see any love. And when they look at the way that you serve and lead your family, they don't see leadership, they see brokenness and chaos. When they look at the way that you love your spouse, rather than it being a testimony of how Christ loves the church, they see inconsistency. They see maybe a hot temper or somebody flying off the handle and just speaking, I mean, horrible things to their spouse. When they see that, they go, what's going on? And the reality is that, I don't believe, is a true transformed life. That's somebody living according to religion. Somebody who shows up and goes through the motions but never truly receives Christ into their heart, never willing to lay down the things that pull them away from Christ. The second category of, of, of things that cause us spiritual unhealth that Paul is warning the church about, secondly, is this, living a life in the flesh. So it's kind of the opposite. So on one side of the spectrum, we're living according to good works. On the other side, it's that other group that I talked about who's living out sinful desires and all of this is done under the title of God's grace is big enough. God's not concerned with the what I do with my actions or my body or what I indulge in because he already has my heart. It's this weird thinking that I can serve God with one part of my being and not all of my being. But in reality, when we live according to the Holy Spirit, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, we're released to live a life in freedom. A struggle that we have is some people end up living a life to please their sinful flesh simply because they look at Christianity as a limitation on things that they want to do. They fall into religion, they fall into to living by flesh because they look at these things, that the, the Ten Commandments and all of the lessons that Christ teaches us about holy living, they look at that rather than acts of freedom, they look at that as something that limits the way that I want to live. It's kind of like a toddler looking at you and giving you attitude because you didn't let them touch the hot stovetop. How dare you, mom and dad, I wanted to burn myself. It's kind of the same logic whenever we look at sinful acts and say, I don't get to do those. No, you don't get to keep your hands on top of a hot stove. John Calvin put it like this. What can be conceived more dreadful than that man should walk after the flesh and shut themselves out from the kingdom of God? Who would dare treat lightly the abominable things which God hates? And here's the reality, church. And yes, I quoted John Calvin in a Pentecostal church. We'll work through that later. <laughs> Brothers and sisters in Christ. We know that we're in a spiritually unhealthy culture when the church looks at the desires of the flesh as things that we don't get to do rather than things that pull us away from God. We live in a demonically influenced culture when the people of God are looking at the acts of the flesh and saying, I don't get to do those rather than those are the things that pull me away from the power and presence of God. Yeah. We've got to reframe the way that we think, church. 
holiness isn't a limitation, it's freedom. Paul goes on to compare the works of the flesh, meaning our sinful desires, to the works of the Holy Spirit. If you'd move forward with me to Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21. Paul says this, The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and alike. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's what's at stake. How you live and what you do with your body deeply matters. Paul says, live by the flesh, live by religion, and this is the result. You don't inherit the kingdom of God. But then Paul says this, that's the acts of the flesh, but here's the better way of living. Verses 22 through 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. I love the way that Paul frames this out. He says this list is the things that you and I are able to turn down. It's not a list of things that we don't get to do anymore. He says you have the power to turn down these acts that pull you away from Christ, and you have the power to live in a better way. Paul says for such things there is no law, meaning the things that the Holy Spirit leads us in, they don't bring about destruction to our lives. And while comparing the acts of the flesh versus the acts of the Holy Spirit, Paul gives us the key to resisting the flesh. I don't know if you caught it. He says, you want to live in a better way? Walk by the Spirit. Live by the Spirit. I've found often that the relationship between a Christian and the Holy Spirit is often the difference between religion and relationship. I want to say that again. The relationship between a Christian and the Holy Spirit is often the difference between living by religion and living in relationship. The Holy Spirit matters because the Holy Spirit instills holy desire in us. The Holy Spirit's role is to draw man to God, and he's pretty good at it. Come on, somebody. Have you ever been divinely interrupted? I'm about to start serving espresso to y'all. Thanks, Jack. (laughs) From a practical standpoint, it's like this. Those moments when you don't feel like praying, those moments when you don't feel like worshiping, those moments when your day seems bigger than God, the Holy Spirit compels us and gives us the strength to want to. If you've ever found yourself in a place where you're like, I feel less spiritual because I don't always feel like doing my devotions, welcome to the club. It's called spirit and conflict with the flesh. You're not less spiritual, you're human. 
And the Holy Spirit in those moments draws us and says, I know that you're tired, I know that you're weary, but just plug into the Word of God and watch what I can do. And have you ever noticed that on the moments that you don't feel like reading your devotions, God moves the, the most? The Holy Spirit moves the most. And sometimes, i got to be honest, some of you are like, that's not how it goes for me at all. After I finish my devotions, I'm still tired. then God is growing perseverance in your life. And sometimes, rather than moving, you and I learn a lesson in obedience. Either one is a good thing. Even whenever we don't feel him, he's still there. Even when we don't see it, he's still working. And sometimes in those moments where we open up the word of God and it's like, I, I didn't really feel anything. Today was more academic. That's okay because, again, God is teaching you how to come to the well and draw water for yourself. The Holy Spirit instills holy desire in us. The Holy Spirit molds and shapes our soul if we let him. You know that you can resist the Holy Spirit? And here's what worries me about this. The more that you resist the Holy Spirit, the more normal brokenness feels. And the more that you and I turn down the Holy Spirit, it's like we're pushing him further and further and further and further away. And that's why in some point in your life, you're going to meet individuals that can stand or sit in a room like this where the word of God is being spoken and the Holy Spirit is moving and they are unfazed. Because they've gotten in the habit and in the lifestyle of rejecting the Holy Spirit and rejecting his voice to where brokenness just becomes an everyday, it's, my, it's who I am, but God has a better way. Jesus speaking here in John chapter 16, stay in Galatians because this is just a quick reference. Jesus speaking in John chapter 16 verses 12 through 15, I have much more to say to you more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only the things what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. The Holy Spirit matters, and I'm paraphrasing this verse like this, the Holy Spirit is the Christian's guide. He is your guide. And what's beautiful about this guide, have you ever had the GPS on and you made a wrong turn? Don't lie. Some of you are full of pride right now. You're like, I don't even need GPS. I follow the stars, Pastor. Okay. But the most beautiful thing about a GPS is whenever you make the wrong turn, my guide that I put with a British voice, because it sounds better, <laughs> reroutes me. It doesn't say, the plan is lost. <laughs> this is your destiny. You will die here. <laughs> my guide comes on and says, rerouting. And so it is with the Holy Spirit. When you and I get off track, the Holy Spirit doesn't go, we're all going to die. The Holy Spirit says, rerouting. The Holy Spirit is our guide. Jesus said, I can't, I have so much more to say to you right now, but, it, and I believe that Jesus, this is the Pastor Donnie International Version, 
that the Holy Spirit was saying, I'm, I'm preventing you from getting a headache. I believe that Jesus was saying, it would, it would blow your mind if I revealed all these things to you. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to my father's place and wait for you. And in the meantime, the Holy Spirit is going to take over for me. And I'm going to speak through the Holy Spirit. And he's going to lead you in all of the things that I've taught you. So that when you and I get off course, the Holy Spirit intervenes and says, rerouting. The Holy Spirit is the Christian's guide. The Holy Spirit matters because the Holy Spirit inspired scriptures. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is given by the inspiration of God, meaning all scripture, the Holy Spirit played a vital part in that process. Therefore, what the Holy Spirit speaks to us, we can measure by scripture because it often is scripture. If you ever feel inclined to be obedient to something, you're like, there's no scriptural basis for this. That's the devil trying to trip you up. But you and I can find comfort in that the Holy Spirit, because he played a part in writing Scripture, he knows Scripture. Therefore, what he says could be measured by, I'm going to give you one more chance. (laughs) Therefore, it can be measured by, oh, there we go. Worship team, come help me. The Holy Spirit matters because the Holy Spirit empowered the inexperienced church. This church, have you ever seen a toddler learning how to walk? Have you ever seen a baby learning how to walk? It, it's it's <laughs> When you compare a baby learning how to walk and you compare that with like a ballet, don't think that the toddler can compete. It's shaky, they fumble, they make mistakes, and here we have this New Testament church that's much like this toddler trying to get its feet, and yet it went from walking to running to doing the marathon to doing ballet in just one session that we find in the book of Acts. This is incredible. This inexperienced church that is still getting its feet and learning how to walk by faith and not by sight because Jesus is now in heaven and here we are. And in just an instant, they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. They speak in tongues and then they go out onto the street and they start evangelizing like pros. That's what the Holy Spirit does. You might be inexperienced in an area, but when you rely on the Holy Spirit, He takes you further than what your ability could ever accomplish. It's one of the most beautiful things. And it's just like with this gift of of speaking in tongues, if, if you can trust the Lord with your mouth, I believe that you can trust him with everything else. If you can trust the Lord with with what to speak and you surrender in that manner, my goodness. The Holy Spirit matters because the Holy Spirit takes us beyond the level that we are at naturally. The Holy Spirit takes us beyond that point. It's kind of like this. It's like you and I are these balloons. Follow me, don't get weirded out. You and I are these balloons and we're kind of inflated. And we're experiencing what it's like to be in right relationship with God upon the moment of salvation. And we're kind of, you know, figuring this whole thing out. And then we come to a place where like we've, we've, we've learned so much and we've acquired so much according to our own ability academically. Like you can quote scripture, man. 
And you and I might even have, have experienced a little bit of like divine appointments and all of this stuff, and, and that's incredible, but we still, we feel like we're maxed out, like we've been inflated to our max and, and that's it. And it's like the Holy Spirit comes in with an air compressor and begins to take you beyond where you could ever arrive according to your own power. And rather than the balloon exploding, here's the really cool part. It never breaks. It never breaks. And so God keeps growing you and taking you beyond what your own ability. And next thing you know, you're living this life according to faith. And faith stepping out of the boat, it might trip you up for a second, but it doesn't cause you to like emotionally break down like it once did. Rather, you have kind of this boldness. That's what the Holy Spirit does. So how do we live by the Holy Spirit? Are you ready for this? We make room for the Holy Spirit. We make room. Well, pastor, how do I make room? We make room in our theology. We make room in our theology. We open up our minds to say this third person of the Trinity could very well be necessary to my spiritual life. We open up our theology. We make room in our theology. And maybe there's some in this place today where like, I grew up at a church that never acknowledged the Holy Spirit. I don't believe in it. Can I challenge you to not accept that, but challenge that thought. Make room in your theology. Study the book of Acts. We make room in our theology. We make room in our devotional time to get used to this whole hearing from the Holy Spirit. Well, pastor, how do I know that it's the Holy Spirit? You'll know. Because like, I'm not, I know this is going to blow your mind. I'm not really smart. But he makes me sound like a stinking genius, man. And there's times where like, I'm around a group of people and I say something and they're like, that, that's good. And I'm like, you're right, it is. And I can say that because it wasn't me. I'm not capable of arriving on that intellectual, uh, that intellectual level. But I know it's God because I'm like, that's wisdom that I, <laughs> I saw my GPA. And like I hear, the, I hear those words of wisdom and I know it's God because I'm like, I'm not smart enough. And then you also know, in addition to it being high above your intellectual ability, no offense, You'll also notice that it can be found in Scripture. That's how you know it's the Holy Spirit. So when you make room in your devotional time, you're like, I'm going to learn about the Holy Spirit. I want to hear. When you make room in your prayer life, you'll begin to sense the Holy Spirit moving. I dare you. You ready? I double dog dare you. Oh, I said it. As we close, how do we live by the Holy Spirit? Secondly, so we make room, and then secondly, we seek the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We seek the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, verse 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. As a result of this gift, the church experiences boldness to preach the gospel of Jesus. In Acts 2, the church receives insight 
where they see things with spiritual eyes and they know that the evil in the world isn't just mankind, come on somebody, but it's the result of a very real spiritual battle. They have convictions birthed in their hearts to meet human need. They serve others. They gather together and love one another in a deeper way. And here, I love that this is one of the signs of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They dedicate themselves to biblical teaching. They have a hunger for it. They desire it in a greater propensity. And the church, the New Testament church, which is undergoing severe persecution, which is being called to the carpet of political powers, and they're saying you either stop preaching the name of Jesus or you're going to face the consequences, and they openly stand there and say, we'll face the consequences because we're going to be obedient to God first. Rather than this church staying in hiding, which is what many of us have been tempted to do over the past couple years. Rather than this church staying in hiding and saying, you know, let's just keep this in-house, what do they do? They go into the streets. Why? Because they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit empowers us beyond our ability. As we close, I want to offer you something. If this weirds you out, you're more than welcome to live according to the flesh. You're more than welcome to live according to religion. Those options are always there. But I want to give you warning. They're going to lead you to heartache. And it's going to lead you to brokenness. And you're never going to experience real transformation in the presence of the Holy Spirit. But on the flip side, God always has a better way. And this morning, I shared with the prayer group before we, before we started out this service today. And, you know, I was asking the Lord, Lord, do you want us to make this like a baptism of the Holy Spirit kind of Sunday where we gather around the altar and we seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And I just felt like the Lord said, I want you to just work on waiting in the upper room first. And what that means is, like I mentioned a few moments ago, there's probably a decent amount of people here in this church, you've never heard a message like this. You grew up in a church that didn't talk about the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, that didn't talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, they might reference the Holy Spirit every once in a while. It's kind of like a good guy, but that was it. On the flip side, there's some gathered here today, and you grew up in a Pentecostal church, and this is just business as usual. But I felt like today the Lord just wanted to level the playing field and said, I want you to begin to make room because in the days to come, I'm going to pour out my spirit. If you're going to give the Lord praise, do it with your physical body, all your might. Come on, somebody. And so that's what we're doing. Today, I want to challenge you. If this is new to you, get into the book of Acts. Read the book of Acts, and I promise you, you will find that there's promises that this gift was not just meant for biblical times, but all times. You will find language in there where it says your sons and your daughters and generations to come. You and I are that generation that was yet to come. There's no expiration date. And I don't know about you, but nothing has changed in the world since biblical times where I wouldn't need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Dare I say, it's probably increased a little bit. So I want to challenge you to make room in your theology. Make room in your devotional time. Make room in your prayer life. Because Scripture is ever so clear that this gift is for all who receive Christ into their heart. Would you stand with me? And I'm going to ask the worship team, if we can start into this song kind of like heavy, can you guys do that for me? 
Like, I, I want to end on kind of an excited note. Like, not, not this calm stuff. You know, I know my personality probably fooled you because I seem so quiet and shy. But what I really want is for us to just go for it. Can we do that this morning, church? As we close out, let's make this our prayer. And I want to challenge you, before we even walk out of this church and you begin to make room in your devotional life, in your private life, on your calendar, in your prayer time, start the process here. If you and I can't do it when we're in a body that's cheering us on like, yeah, yeah, do it, you and I aren't going to do it outside when there's people against us. So I want to challenge you. Begin to make that room in your life right here, right now. Let's not just sing this song as karaoke, but make it a part of our heart's cry. Amen, church? Amen. This has been an audio recording from Crossroads Community Church. If you'd like to get in contact with us or learn more about us, you can follow us on social media at C3Lehigh or email us at info at C3Lehigh.com. We'd love to hear from you.